Okay, y'all, so I really wanted to talk to you about one of our partners, Crew. I think it goes without saying, but if you follow us on socials or know our family, that you know the Bible is such a huge anchor of truth in our lives. And honestly, so much of what living in love looks like for me is because of what I've learned from the Bible. But imagine for a second that you couldn't get a Bible. You can't just hop on Amazon and get one sent to your house or even afford one. But take it a step further and imagine that you aren't even allowed to have one. Honestly, I think it's easy sometimes to forget that there are so many people around the world who simply can't just get a Bible. That's why we're thrilled to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language and sharing the hope of Jesus by doing so. But here's where they need your help. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21, as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry, and you'll receive a copy of my new book, Live in Love. Simply text LOVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text LOVE to 71326. That's L-O-V-E to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash love. Hey y'all, this is Lauren Akins and welcome to the Live in Love podcast. So each week I'm going to be sitting down with friends and family and talking about different areas of our lives where we get to live in love. We've got some behind the scenes things where we're going to get to share those with you, things you may not know even if you've already read my book, Live in Love. And I'm Annie Updowns, and I'm so excited to be here with Lauren and to get to be a part of this show. If you have not subscribed yet, you've got to do it. We don't want you to miss a single episode. And if you're new today, go back and listen to the ones that have already released. And Lauren's beautiful book, Live in Love, is just releasing in the paperback edition. You can get it wherever you love to buy books, your favorite local bookstore or online, but make sure you grab a copy of the paperback edition of Live in Love. So Lauren, today we're talking about support. So like therapy, help, getting other people involved. Who is joining us in this conversation? So today we are going to get to sit down with our counselor. She is such an incredible woman. Her name is Beth Barkus, and she's going to talk about with us what it means to live in love and support. All right, Lauren, we're jumping in. Yeah. We've talked about family. We've talked about friends. And now we're going straight into counseling. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Why did this conversation matter to you in in this collection of conversations we're having? Mainly because I think I'm able to look back on parts of my life and have grown from them, yes, from God, but also through a lot of help from other people, from um, you know, we talked about in community, having my small group and people who I love and trust and who I know are rooted in truth, speaking truth into my life. Yeah. But also my marriage wouldn't be where it is. I wouldn't be the mom that I am or the friend or just the, the friend that I am even to myself yeah. without having extra help. And a lot of that comes from counseling. And so... I wanted to bring me and Thomas Rhett's counselor, Beth, in to hang with us and to talk through a lot of this and how important it is in my life so that I am able to live in love in whatever circumstance I find myself in. And Beth has been a huge help in just honestly every facet of my life. So Mm. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was thinking... When did we meet? It was your first year of marriage. Wow. Yeah, so. it was it was pretty early. It was kind of when <laughs> <laughs> everything kind of started. It just th- things started moving much quicker than we were ready for. And actually, Virginia, our manager, who's still our manager, who loves us so well, mm-hmm. she actually recommended Porter's Call. When we met you, it was just like, I mean, we just dove straight into the deep end and just opened our hearts up to Beth. And and we just, I felt like almost instantly we became really good friends. And 
and now we are able to be good friends. But now it's hard for us to get in a room together and like just be friends and you not <laughs> right. be like, how are you? <laughs> I mean, like word vomit, all of this stuff. Yeah, we can't keep it shallow. Once you dive deep into the deep end and you're scuba diving for years, it's really hard to go back to the shallow. Will you explain a little bit about Porter's Call? Sure. So Porter's Call was established about 20 years ago. Al Andrews, who was in private practice, discovered a need for the artist community, um, just recognizing that there are some, you know, they artists experience the same challenges that the average person does. However, They're just like us. Right. <laughs> However, I do think that there's, um, because of the challenges that are unique to the music industry, mm-hmm. I think it just magnifies mm-hmm. um, the issues that all of us have, whether it's yeah. anxiety or just processing loss or processing, you know, changes and challenges and stressors and all of those things. I think it's magnified because you're living in a glass bowl mm-hmm. and you're put on a pedestal by the world, essentially. And as much as you try to come off of a platform, you still are pretty much under the microscope. Mm -hmm. And so we just um, really sense that artists and their families needed a special place to come that really only worked with this particular demographic of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So we see individuals, we do couples work, we work with bands. Um, So we'll get all a band in a room to kind of work through some conflict. But what's unique about it is we don't actually charge. Um, There are some artists that literally have two dimes to scratch together, especially after COVID. And then there's some, some that are doing fine and could pay the traditional rate. But we really felt like this was a unique offering Mm -hmm. to be able to come alongside and be a friend. And also, we we were trained as well. We have our degrees and we're trained in therapy, but um, we wanted to be a place that didn't take a cut. And we felt like that immediately established a trust because we were like, we want to make sure you're okay mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in your body. Mm-hmm. And um, and that impacts relationships, that impacts your career. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it is for the longevity and for sustainability, This, if you can care for your heart and mind and spirit and body, then it will show itself in other areas. So the name Porter comes from the early Benedictine monastery. They had a porter that sat outside the door Um, And when a sojourner was tired and exhausted Mm -hmm. and weary, uh, the porter would call out a blessing, porter's call, and he would invite the sojourner in. And if he needed food, he'd feed him. If he needed a place to sleep, he could stay there. If he needed, you know, his wounds bound, he would Mm -hmm. bind the wounds. Mm -hmm. And if he needed prayer, he'd pray for him. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's where we established our name. And so we like to call ourselves porters because it identifies more with the style. We're much more like friends than we are counselors or therapists. Lauren, there's a lot of times people go to therapy or start counseling when there's a blow up or a falling apart. And I think that's really important. But talk about that. That's not when y'all went. Y'all went when life started picking up in good ways. Yeah. We really, when we met Beth, we really were in a good place and we were really happy. His career was taking off. I wasn't doing nursing. I wasn't able to practice nursing. That was like kind of the one thing that I think I wished I was able to do in that mm-hmm. moment just because I'd put so much of my life into studying that. and <laughs> Right. You had a degree. degree that <laughs> license. But I, I've also got to travel the world with him and then watch him chase his dreams and really become someone who, I mean, I just watched him come to life. I've always watched him come, come to life on stage, but then he got to like come to life for a living. And that was Mm -hmm. really special. But as we were getting into that lifestyle and the music industry, you do start to see the darker sides of it. And it was like, whoa, some of this stuff is pretty heavy or uh, definitely don't want to be them in 10 years. And just seeing a lot of brokenness in that and a lot of Mm -hmm. things that are probably not talked about as much. We do have an incredible music community, but it's not like that throughout the entire music community. And so I think for us, it was more like, well, we know we like counseling. We went to premarital counseling and we actually loved it. And then I went to counseling after um, one of my very best friends and almost like a brother to me passed away. Um, And that was the first experience I ever had with counseling. 
But it was such a place where I was able to bring everything I felt and there was no judgment when it came out. There was there was no shame. There was no, well, that's not how you should feel. Or, um, well, I think what you meant to say was this. It was right. like, tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're saying. Tell me what's, what's going well, what's not going well. I watched myself bloom into somebody that was able to process what I was feeling because I was able to talk it through. But then also have someone who was well-educated be like, well, that's actually not crazy that you reacted that way because this is what your brain is doing here. Or like, yeah, I can see how you would go there because you experienced X, Y, Z in your past. Mm -hmm. And so that just fascinated me just on the mental health side of things. I love psychology. And so I thought it was really cool to watch that come to life, but then watch my brain be picked apart and be like, okay, how can I be better in this area? Or I struggle with this naturally What are situations where I should be aware this is going to be hard for me? Mm. And so in our marriage, it was kind of the same. Like as we did premarital counseling, we were like, wow, we're really learning a lot about each other that we thought we already knew, but actually we didn't. And so we were like, you know what? Let's just get ahead of this thing. Let's not end up like the couple in 10 years that we don't want to be. That's so important. Let's not end up like the superstar that is just so self-absorbed. He has no idea which way is up or down. And let's try to... keep intact our humility as much as possible. Absolutely our faith, definitely our family. And and just like put emphasis on the things that we know are so important to us. But then also just to continue to grow in marriage because I had experienced firsthand how I was able to grow in counseling. And so we wanted to do that in our marriage. And a lot of it was because we were so excited to be married and getting to do this life. So it was like, how do we make it better? How do we keep getting better? (laughs) But then when the real storms hit, it was such a safe place for us to fall when we did fall. Because I don't care who you are, you go through the storms of life and, and we needed that safe place to fall and to process what we were feeling. And Beth has been the hugest blessing to our marriage and and then to so many of our friends. I mean, counseling is a huge part of our life and we talk about it so openly because we believe in it so much because it's just, it's so good and it's healthy and there's nothing wrong with it. And I think in previous generations, it was almost looked at like, well, what's wrong with you that you have to go? And I'm like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with everybody? I mean, we're all human. Everybody's got something wrong. And if it's just one thing, then... You're not human. I mean, you just, that's that's human nature. So we're huge advocates for Porter's Call counseling in general. Yeah, I'm here to, I'm here as living, walking proof that it's it's done a lot for me and in our marriage. Beth, how does someone know when to go to counseling? Budget's a consideration when it comes to getting counseling for all of us. How do we know when the right time to go is? I, I mean, I love what Lauren and Thomas Rhett did. They went when they're healthy just to set a rhythm What's it? How do we figure that out for ourselves? I actually think every time's a good time for counseling. Every time's a good time. What Thomas Rhett and Lauren did is what we often call prehab. Prehab. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? <laughs> no, but that's amazing. <laughs> I remember when they were in their first year, and I remember our conversations about nursing school and, and you spending a year on the road with him. And I really felt like that was a healthy option to just really cultivate their marriage in their first year. But I remember affirming them going, I wish every couple did this. I wish, and I tell every, every couple that does premarital that, Hey, we're just sitting on the dock and I'm telling you how the water is. And I'm trying to tell you how to swim, but ultimately you don't know if you're going to like that water. When you get in, you don't know if you're going to know how to swim and you may have a wave just come over you and you need some help. And so just know that you want to continue to go back to the dock, so to speak, and remind yourself of your tools on how to navigate those waters. So I think every time's a good time to start it mm-hmm. and um, to maintain it. Yeah. And it's something that has to be cultivated over the years. And one thing I want to just, I want to get back to your question of the financial oh, piece. But as Lauren was sharing, I think what is unique about her story, as, as, as I know it, is that she has cultivated community, yes, and she has cultivated the fact that um, counseling, there's no stigma connected to it, and essentially the healthiest people are the ones that are in counseling. Yeah. And so I think to speak about it so openly with no shame takes away that stigma that makes other people curious, and it actually creates this jealousy contagion 
mm-hmm. which is a good, healthy, contagious yeah. jealousy. Yeah. And it just piques curiosity. And then they're like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And and really, that's one of the markers about them in this in this town is almost every time I get a phone call, it's... So I got your name from, and I could fill in the blank. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> I could totally fill in the blank. I was like, Thomas or Lauren Atkins. I know, I know, I know, I know. So, um, and so what is special about Porter's Call is that finances don't get in the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're really grateful for that. But therapists have to get paid. And right. Mm-hmm. And should, yes. They should. Totally. Yeah. They, right. They've done schooling. They've probably gone into debt to get their degrees. And mm-hmm. They have overhead, they have rent, they have so many things that they have to upkeep. So they need to be paid and paid well. And so there are, if you're in the music industry, there are opportunities and grants. And and then there's places like Porter's Call if you're an artist or artist family. And there are a lot of great organizations that offer sliding scale. Yeah. And so, and then there are some insurance companies that have insurance policies that provide, you know, you just pay a copay for behavioral health. So that's an option. Uh, And there are also, there are free groups, you know, AA, Codependency Anonymous, Al-Anon, ACA. There's so many organizations that you don't have to be like in the midst of an addiction to gain some Mm -hmm. really helpful tools. Are you ever embarrassed to talk about counseling? No. No. But I'm also... One of my greatest gifts and also downfalls is I'm an open book. Sometimes people would wish I would stop sharing, and other times people are like, whoa, can't believe you said that, but I'm glad you did. Yeah. Um, but counseling is one of those things that I'm, like, wide open. If it helps you go to counseling and it helps you become a better person and helps your heart, I will tell you my story all day long. Yeah. So it's I'm just grateful that I'm able to speak from a place of my heart being healthy and my marriage being healthy now and my spiritual life being healthy because I think we all go through those mountains and valleys where those things are not healthy and then you like have this wake-up call of like okay I need to figure this out I need to get help whatever that looks like yeah will you talk a minute as much as you want to or Mm -hmm. don't want to about when you were pregnant with Ada James you had you were getting Willa Gray Thomas Rhett was on the road. I mean, when I hear you talk about that season, it was tornadic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what What did counseling, what did Beth specifically help with in that versus like a lot of moms we would, or friends we would say, just put your head down and get through it. You'll be fine. Yeah. It won't yeah. last forever. Why did you have Beth speak into that season? Because I had been to counseling enough to know you should always have tools. You should never mm. find yourself in a place where you go, I don't even know how to process this. I don't know how to do this. I have no idea what to say. I don't know where to start. When I started asking those questions, because I did, Thomas Stratton and I both, we were in this moment. I had actually had Ada James. Willa Gray was home, obviously, because Ada James was born three months almost to the day that Willa Gray came home. I really struggled with my weight through Ada James's pregnancy. I gained like 75 pounds. Um, I'm 5'9", so like it didn't look like I gained that much weight mm-hmm. because of my height, mm-hmm. but I gained a lot of weight. And then everyone was like, oh, the second you start breastfeeding, it's just going to melt right off your body. And I was like eating ice cream because I was living in Uganda for so much of that, yeah. that I didn't yeah. get to eat as much of the greens as I would have liked yeah. or the things that are maybe a little bit easier to be healthy here, mainly because my body, like how many of you have actually been to Uganda? I don't know. But for those of you who have, You can't like just drink the tap water and you can't just eat the fresh greens if they haven't been washed in like boiled water because our stomachs are not used to the things that they are used to. And so it really kept me from eating in a healthy way in Uganda. So I think that was part of the weight gain. But then also when I got back to America, finally, all the things I wished I was able to eat in Uganda, (laughs) I like went triple fold like hard yeah i was like ice cream sushi burgers yeah we just had pizza but now i want chicken wings and Coach just, sushi i'm sure yeah because you're but, pregnant. right uh-huh yes. yes i did all the things right but it was very bad for me but i heard people say you're gonna lose it so fast look at your mom she's like mm. so cute and she is but it was not easy for me to lose that weight so i'm at home thomas Strett. I will never forget this moment as long as I live. This is in my book, so bear with me if you've already read it. But we were in New York City. Ada James was a newborn. Um, My mom flew with me to New York City. This was before we had our nanny, Mackenzie. Thomas Rhett was on Miss America, I think. 
Oh, wow. And I'm sitting, like, nursing a baby in this body that I had not lost one ounce of weight, mind you. Ada James was only seven pounds. So do the math. I'm sitting there, and I am watching him on the Miss America pageant show and watching these women walk out in, like, these amazing dresses and and swimsuits and like they're stunning and he's like in his tux like doing like it was like he was living this life of just glamour glamour and everyone was beautiful and I could not have felt more disgusted with myself and my body and the fact that he was just living his dream and I'm like just new into like two kids in a body that I don't recognize I'm not doing my career. I love my kids, but I'm struggling to, like, understand how this motherhood dynamic works. And on top of, like, wanting to support my husband, on top of, like, oh, we had the freedom to do whatever we wanted for the last five years. And now I'm, like, chained to these kids. But you go out and live your life and Mm. you do what you want to do. I'll just be here when you get back. But do you even like me anymore? There's no way you could be attracted to this body because I'm not. And so it was just so much, I was very self-critical, very, but also I was angry and very resentful toward him because I felt like he had left me. I felt like he had left me in the adoption because he was touring in the States when I was in Uganda pregnant. And I'll never forget, he called me from the Super Bowl and I'd like, my kids, my, my kids, One was asleep in my stomach. The other was asleep in the bed in Uganda. And I'm like hearing all the guys in the background. And they're like, yeah, we just saw Timberlake and and blah, blah. And I'm just like, great, great. I'm so happy for you. And like the anger just started building. And so fast forward to we're finally home. And I felt like he had just lived his life. Granted, like in Thomas Rhett's defense, I did not communicate any of this to him Mm. in a healthy way. He has to provide for our family because I'm not bringing in any money. And so his job is to tour. That's what he had to do. So the fact that I'm like so angry at him for working is not valid. But but the feelings I I was feeling were valid. I mean, they were coming from places that were unhealthy and where I was not communicating what I was feeling or even asking him how he felt or letting him know like, hey, it really hurts my heart when you're living it up wherever you are and I'm in misery here mm. and not sure like if Willa Gray is going to come home yeah. and or when she's going to come home or if I'm going to have to like have this baby in the States and then wait a few more months and then come back to get our other child. It was just, it was a lot. So fast forward to the moment in our closet where we are about to go to a concert with Ford and April, some of our best friends. And it was like, I don't even remember what he said, but I needed him to do something and he didn't, or he was on the phone and he finally came back in and I just had an attitude. And he was like, what is wrong with you? I don't understand what this attitude is. Like, how, why are you treating me this way? And I looked at him and I said, I hate you. I hate you. And, and it was just like this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever said that to a human in my entire life. And the one person I am devoted to spending my life to, I just said the unthinkable to him. Mm-hmm. And that was where I went. I don't I don't know where I am. I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss for words. Wow. I, I don't want to lose you, but part of me kind of wants to. Like it was I was so much anger and hurt and sadness and feeling alone and it was a lot of really hard things and also with a lot of people watching us yes and so it felt like very pressurized at the same time and and then also felt like you have so many blessings you shouldn't be feeling this way is Mm -hmm. what I was hearing Mm -hmm. in my head Mm -hmm. so none of it felt like it should be valid Mm -hmm. it was a lot but I, I regret saying those words more than what anything else I've ever said in my life but when I looked at him he looked at me and he was like what do you mean like like, you want a divorce? Like, I, I saw it sink in. Like, he thought we're heading toward a divorce. Like, that's where he went. And I was like, no, no. Let's just figure this out. I I just, we got to figure this out. And, like, the first thing he did was he called Beth and Al. And he was like, we need to really? do an intensive as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Beth. Yeah. 
Well, as you as you replay that, it feels like so vivid because I remember, you know, those conversations and um, what it feels like is as I as you retell it, it's a reminder of all the losses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That even stem back to grandparent, mm-hmm. best friend, and in another loss is a loss of his presence when you needed it the most. Yeah. Um, it was a loss of your relationship, your marriage, as you remember it. And I always tell people, even if you're anticipating ha- bringing a child into the world and into your family, it's amazing, but you have to grieve the mm. relationship as you knew it. Mm. It's so good. Otherwise, it blindsides you. Right. And then you're just like, where's all this coming from? But there was so many griefs and losses along the way of, like you said, feeling abandoned. And what do you feel Even when you... Even losing your own body. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Wow. Loss of this is my body as I knew it. It's not, this is not the same. And it will it ever be the same. So yeah, I just remember all those losses. And I would say what often that I would encourage any listener, you know, that hears this is that when your compass has been shattered, in a sense, like that's where you, when you feel discombobulated, almost like you were in a car accident, your equilibrium's all off and you're waking up, or you're in the middle of the woods and your compass is broken. Mm. And you're like, where do I go? Find those safe people in your life. If it's a therapist, if it's a friend, someone that's not biased, Mm -hmm. I really encourage you, even if you're close with your parents, which I am and close with my sister and all of that, I think there's something about having asking someone to come in and be like a third party Mm -hmm. that is not physically biologically related to you because I think they'll offer a a lot more unbiased care. So, yeah, I remember coming over to your house. That's another thing that's exciting about a, being a porter is like, yeah. I was like, hey, I'm going to go grab lunch. Let me come by. Yeah. And I stopped in and, and we just talked. I was like, you guys have to get away. Mm-hmm. And so Al and I did a, a one night, but then I really encouraged them. I was like, you need to go away, away. And I think that's when you went to on-site. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you know I went to on-site because Lauren came up to me at a restaurant oh, yeah. and said, I've heard you're thinking about on-site. You should go. And then just told me. And I was like... Well, here we go. I'm gonna. Have to <laughs> Is this a site. sign from God? Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> right. Lord of Virginia was a sign from God. Okay, real talk. If you don't love your hair, then you need to leave your current hair care products back in 2020 and try Function of Beauty instead. Function of Beauty is the world leader in customizable beauty, offering precise formulations for your hair specific needs, and they come in the cutest packaging. Here's how to get started. First, you take a quick but thorough quiz to tell them a little bit about your hair type, whether it's straight or wavy or curly or coily. And then you want to tell them about what goals you may have for your hair, such as lengthening, volumizing, and even oil control. And because your hair changes with the season, you can change your hair goals before every shipment. And sometimes, honestly, my hair needs a little extra TLC in the summer with all the time my girls and I spend in the sun. And Function of Beauty gives me plenty of options to choose from for my specific hair needs. Next, choose your color and fragrance or go fragrance and dye free. Plus, subscribers get access to more exclusive colors and scents. Then, Function's team determines the perfect blend of ingredients, bottles your formula, and delivers it to you along with fun seasonal stickers and all the instructions you need. There are over 54 trillion possible formulations, and Function of Beauty has over 50,000 five-star reviews. Every ingredient Function of Beauty uses is vegan and cruelty-free, and they never use sulfates or parabens, so you can trust what you're putting in your hair and on your scalp. You can also go completely silicone-free, and Function of Beauty offers completely personalized formulas for body and skin care as well, so you can customize your beauty routine from your hair to your toes. Never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash live in love to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash live in love to let them know you heard about it from our show and get 20% off your order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash live in love. So 
so I think, you know, just recognizing that we've got to remove ourselves from an environment, which is often a lovely environment with our it's children really or what have you, yeah. but to remove yourself and to really stay in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing when you go to therapy for an hour and then you go home. And then you go to therapy for another hour a month later or a week later and go back home. There's another part of staying in the work. And so sometimes at Porter's Call, we're able to provide that. And if we can't provide it for a long enough period of time because we've got other clients, we will recommend other places. And um, and I think that's the thing that's that saved you and saved your marriage is that you guys are willing to do the work. And you are willing to make the sacrifices to say, okay, that came out of my mouth, and I don't want that ever to come out again. And so how did I get here? And it was just, it was hurt. Mm -hmm. It was hurt. It was anger. It was sadness. It was feeling alone and abandoned so many times. And and you got to get to the heart of, okay, that's not his intention. Like you got to see it with a clearer perspective because you're your compass was reset. And, you know, even though all the, you know, you think about being in an accident, just being shattered in a sense, like you you don't know what ends up, you were able to get your footing again and get grounded and go, okay, I know what's true. I know what's true about him. I know what's true about me. I know what's true about God's story that he's writing for us. And so, yeah, I just am like, go find someone to help you get your compass set. Yeah. Lauren has done such a beautiful job. That was very generous of you to tell that story. You've done such a beautiful job building a map of your capital T trauma and lower T trauma and having language for it. But Beth, how often is it the like standing in the closet moment and we don't know why, why it is an explosion? How often is, does that happen? I feel like Lauren knew all the ways she got to the closet, but I feel like sometimes I am in the closet and I don't know why. Yeah. Well, and I think that she didn't know, though, at the time. Mm. She had to really peel back the the layers. And I often reference our stressors is that, you know, like a pressure cooker. Mm. You know, so we're all on the burner, all of us. And a lot of times we're on That's simmer. just being human. That's just being human. Yeah. And we live in a broken world where there are stressors, there's pain, there's loss, there's trauma. So if we're all on that burner, so to speak, um, there's certain things in life that turn up the pressure. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain events that happen that add to our pressure cooker. And so more traditional, not Instapot, but a more traditional <laughs> pressure, pressure cooker. Sometimes it is Instapot. But um, and a traditional pressure cooker, it simmers all day and then it whistles. Yeah. And I often say that whistle is anxiety. So oh, when wow. your anxiety is starting to ramp up, it's telling you something's going on. There's something underneath that it, that whistle is telling you to take care of. Take it off the burner, release the pressure, do something. If we ignore it long enough, that all that air, all that water releases on its own and it's empty, sitting on a hot stove, and it's going to burn. Yeah. And that's depression. Oh, wow. It's like if we put the headphones on and earplugs in and walk out the door and let the pressure cooker whistle and we don't tend to it, it can often lead to depression. That's not always the cause and effect scenario, but I think when you have those boiling point moments in the closet and you just are like, what did I just say? And look at his, you probably still can imagine Thomas Rhett's face in that moment. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Because you just felt like you just brutalized your husband. Mm-hmm. And and we've all done it. Mm-hmm. We've all done it if we just admit it. But, right. Um, <laughs> to ourselves right? and to other people. That's right. Yeah, that's I mean, right. I've done that in a mirror yeah. as many times as I've done that to other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. So, so essentially, you know, I think just basically recognizing, wow, I just hit a boiling point. I need to listen to the whistle and do something about it instead of ignoring it. Because those little T traumas add up to that big T blow up. Yeah. Lauren, how do you notice those whistles now differently? It's mostly just, I can tell that the anxiety starts to creep up in me when I'm just not myself. Like, I am, for the most part, a pretty laid-back human I like to have a good time. I like to be with people. I also am good to be alone. And I'm usually not dramatic. Mm -hmm. And I'm also usually not very sensitive. Mm. And I'm not quick to anger. So, like, when I 
get really angry at my kids really fast or I yell or if I start to become very self-critical and like very dramatic of my situation like I just can't get anything right ever or like mm. well I'm just never gonna be this good as I'm just not that good of a mom like just things that are like that's very dramatic you know that's not true or like the anger I, I get really angry with my kids or Thomas Rhett just on on a dime and I'm like what just happened like that's usually when I know like that is not who I am and something deeper is going on here. And it could be a conversation Thomas Rhett and I had the day before that like really did not sit well or um, something that's happening with a friend or a family member that might be really stressful for them. I tend to also take on um, the people around me, what they're people really close to me, what they're feeling. I Mm -hmm. tend to kind of take that on as well, just because I like to, be in it with them and try to love people through a lot of the situations. But a lot of times when I do that, I'll kind of take on what they're also feeling. And a lot of times that's anxiety. But when I do feel that I am, I do feel like I'm better now at taking that to God and being like, if I can't pinpoint what it is, I'll say, can you please show me like what it is that I'm feeling right now that is making me feel this way? Or I'll go to Thomas Rhett and say, I've been doing this lately or I've been saying this lately and I have no idea why. And usually like he's pretty observant with me that he'll go, well, I do because <laughs> da, 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 happened yesterday. Or yeah. like, I saw you have this conversation on the phone. I heard what that was about. Like, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. And so I have people around me who are able to help me process kind of like Beth was saying that that person who, you know, is like a safe place, you know, our small group again, I feel like I could talk about them all day long, but so many times I will just text out what I'm feeling and send it to the girls in our small group and be like, someone help me dissect what this means and like why I feel this way. And so that means everything to me to have that place to fall back to. And then if it really gets pretty big, closer and closer to like real trauma, um, that's when we kind of call in the big guns and that's where we go. We need to call Beth or let's at least try to get on the phone with her just for 30 minutes in the next week. And then maybe we can go see her in a couple weeks. Um, So having those lifelines around is really life-saving. How do we find a Beth in our city where we live? Like, you know, big city, small town. How do we find a counselor that we love or will love? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I'm not not a fit for everybody. So it's not like there's there's one person that everybody is going to connect with. So I think you, it does sometimes take a little shopping around. Um, to really find that connection, I always encourage people to go to at least three sessions. With and, the, so find a therapist, mm-hmm. go to at least three. Yeah. Okay. And you can usually do that first one can usually be over the phone, free of charge, usually. And that's kind of more of just a consultation to see if it feels like it could be a fit. Mm-hmm. I always say give somebody three chances. Yeah. And also just know that you've got, you've got to be ready to show up and do the work. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference is... I think for Lauren and for Thomas Rhett, they, I don't see them frequently, but whenever, that's why whenever they reach out, I'm willing to go, I'm not on the clock, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there is a friendship that goes deeper, you know, than how we first met. But I also know that they just, they have, they know how to resource. They know how to tap into community and friendship and ultimately, first and foremost, God, like Mm -hmm. they go there first and then they go to their resources. So I know when they get to me, they're like, oh, okay, I'm ready to jump on the phone. I remember one time sitting outside of my son's practice and I was picking him up from school and I was on a three-way call. Thomas Rhett was on the road. You might have even, no, you were here. I was in Nashville. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I remember exactly which one we're talking about. And there's two moments that I remember. One of those was um, me just literally, Thomas Rhett goes, okay, I haven't talked to Beth about this. So this is a fresh call. And it was like literally me trying to convince you to get some help. Mm-hmm. And oh. you had already had two kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Lauren, okay. And I just was having to like, and I had no idea what Thomas Rhett's perspective was. I had mm-hmm. no idea what, but they just painted the scenario and she was sharing kind of her struggle to ask for help. And I was just, I speak very frankly. I'm a very direct person, and I don't really mince words, and I don't try to be um, popular. Like, I'm not trying to just, you know, have you like me. Praise God. Uh, Yes, yes. So, um, So I just was like, you're being prideful, Lauren. 
Like you're, wow. it's time for you to. I needed it. I needed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for you to get some help because you have the resources to do it. You're giving someone a job and it will help you be the kind of mom and wife that you can be. Mm. And it will actually, you'll have the opportunity to help others by freeing up some margin for you and just giving you more sanity. And then another conversation was right before they decided to adopt Willa Gray. And I don't know if I even got to your answer about how do you find a Beth, but I I think essentially what I wanted to say with that is that there's a fit for everybody out there and there's not just one size fits all with that with a therapist. But also just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, when you really know you need that third party, get it. Mm -hmm. Get someone that is not biased Someone that is not trying to be your friend. Um, And even though we enter into that category, at least at Porter's Call, because we're just a little different, that was never my goal. My my goal was never to go, I want to say something popular that that Lauren will (laughs) like me. she's going to love, yeah. Right. Or that Thomas Rhett will like me for. And that's what I appreciate. They've always brought to me, this is our scenario and then I spoke in, then they offered their commentary. Mm. So they didn't try to influence me one way or the other. And Thomas Rhett was just like, I think it was another time he was on the road. <laughs> that was a theme. And you were home. <laughs> and, Oops. Yeah. And, and you guys were, you know. We're ta- a theme, President right. And you were talking about, you know, the work you were doing in Uganda and just falling in love with this little girl that you feel like is your daughter. And, and Thomas Rhett was even like, I want to know that I'm bringing a child to a place that is going to receive her, not mm. just the United That's States huge. of America, but Nashville country music, like the yeah. whole mm-hmm. game, Big. the whole thing. She may be Big the most picture. popular person in country music, actually. <laughs> yeah. Willa Gray has That's done true. it. Yeah. Right, true. right. Yeah. So, but that's a clear, valid fear to Absolutely. have. Um, so I think just bringing yourself and honesty and making sure that that person is going to give you some guidance that is not biased. My counselor, I love, she's like, I'm not on your mom's team. Mm-hmm. I'm not on your friend's team. I'm actually not on your team. I'm on your health team. So Bingo. Annie's health is what matters. Is that what you feel? Lauren yes. is like, so Thomas Rhett isn't trying to make you happy in this. Right. And Beth's not trying to make you happy. They're, everyone is partnering to make each other healthy. Yeah. 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 And it's huge. And that's what, I mean, the pride thing is has always been so hard for me. And because I was raised in a family that you can do it, you can do it, don't ever give up. Sometimes I don't know when to like wave the flag and be like, mm-hmm. okay, this isn't me giving up. This is me saying I want to keep going and I'm not going to be able to keep going if I don't get somebody to help me. So, but that was very, very hard for me to learn. And then you realize at the end of the day, even if it's hard to hear what they're telling, like, I was angry with Thomas Rhett when he called Beth. And I was like, I don't need Beth in this. Like, I am confident I can be the mom they need me to be. <laughs> like, I was like, do not call You're like, Beth. don't push that button. That's <laughs> yeah, the right. red button. Don't push it. <laughs> but me starting to get, like, very yeah. dramatic and sensitive and angry toward him, like, with, like, all the alarms going off, like, hello, this is your body saying you can't do it. Yeah. So it was, thankfully, I have a husband who will look past the stubbornness and love me well enough to go, I know you don't want to talk to Beth right now, but I know that you need to talk yeah. to Beth, and I want you to be the Lauren that I married and the mother that I know that you can be. And so... Yeah, a couple of times we've had some interventions with Beth. But yeah. at the same time, when I, I know that whatever Beth is going to say to me is coming from a place of love. Just like Suzanne calling me out, saying, mm-hmm. I can see your light dimming. You're giving too much of yourself to the world. That was a place of love. And so I think if you are healthy in like recognizing what love really looks like mm. as hard or as good or as whatever it may feel like at the time, you'll know that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really hard mm-hmm. to receive that love. But if you do receive that love, you always end up in a better place than you started. Yeah. Beth, one of the things Lauren just said that I think stood out to me is she was talking about her body. How often does our body tell us that we need support emotionally? Yeah, I I think all the time. Mm. It's just we may not notice it all of the time, um, but... There's there's a congruence of, you know, heart, mind, body, spirit yeah. that 
Um, and really, to me, I, I go, you know, it's out there in the world, like in the, any medical community that you see, mind, body, spirit, mind, body, spirit. And it's really a Jesus principle. Mm-hmm. Like if you go back to the, the commandment that sums up everything, yeah. God says, love me with all your heart, mm-hmm. emotions, feelings, you know, soul, heart, soul, so our spirit, spiritual faith, prayer, all of that, mind, so our mental health. And body, or strength, which is our body. So it's like if we receive God's love for our heart, our soul, our mind, and our body, and then it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think that's so important. So good. So if we're depleted and you're this empty pressure cooker sitting on a stove with the heat turned on and all the water's evaporated and you're empty... Mm -hmm then that's how well you're loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> so, or your husband. Don't right, love that. Don't right, love that. <laughs> right. And our chil- and our children yeah. and our, you know, our best friends and our parents and our, you know, siblings. And so those are our neighbors and then beyond. And um, some people have a lot of neighbors, like a lot of people watching. And yeah. that would be people like you guys on platforms that have this opportunity to be a voice to so many. So we want to love them, right? Mm-hmm. Like we want to love everybody that is within our reach and within our voice reach. And so in doing so, we're, we need to love ourselves, our heart, soul, mind, and body. Yeah. Okay, so we have one final question. Okay, I did, take your headphones off. I know, they kind of fell. I was, I was adjusting like, my hair and it was like, we are not finished. Can I offer one thing? <laughs> yes, say whatever you want. Um, so one thing that I don't know if I want to throw you under the bus on this, but... Please do. Um, this is, you know, one of the areas that I am always prayerful for you, for Lauren, for Lauren is... She is giving all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, you remember the most recent one where I was like, hey, I've got this adoptive moms group. And then Lauren goes, well, just tell me what I can do to help. And I'm like, <laughs> do you want to have them all to my house? Lauren, <laughs> Lauren, this is for you, not for you to do. So I would love to kind of even, mm-hmm. um, is that throwing um, you under the bus? <laughs> no, well, yes, but for good reason. <laughs> um, I, I, we... This is something that Thomas Rhett is always telling me, like you do so much that when it gets to the end, the end of the day, you don't have anything left for me. You don't have anything left for our kids. You don't have anything left for yourself. And so I do struggle to take care of myself. And then Thomas Rhett is like the next person that Mm. gets the short end of the stick. And then it's my kid's. And actually, those are the people that I would never want to see the worst side of me. Mm-hmm. And so something that I'm constantly trying to work at is, like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to receive help. Actually, mm-hmm. it's crucial that you receive help. And it's crucial that you find time to rest and let someone else take care of you. Mm-hmm. Because I do love getting to take care of people. Yeah. But... I'm not good at receiving that for myself. Like and assuming that a, a, that an adoption group <laughs> was for you to do something versus right. be a part right. of. Right. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, That's literally hilarious. reached out to her and it's like, and I felt like I was very intentional with my wording, especially the You Lauren. were. You were. And I was like, you I were. really want you, you know, I want this to be a group where you guys can really, you know, love on each other and learn from each other and feel like you're not alone. And it's really for Willa, Willa Gray and Lauren. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah. it was really meant for the children that have been adopted that don't necessarily look like their parents. Yeah. And um, so I was really intentional about reaching out to her. And she's like, great. Yes, I'm all in. Tell me what you want me to do. <laughs> like, Lauren. I want you to be in it. I want you to show up (laughs) and not lift a finger. That's right. Right, right. I am. I love you. I I love you. (laughs) Thank you for doing this and being here. Okay, before you go, I ask this question to everybody, and I have yet to tell anyone that this question is coming. That's fine. Okay. So, what does it mean to you to live in love, Mm. in support, whether like that is for you personally or what you see? mostly with people that you're able to serve. Like, what does it mean to live in love in supporting? So in a supporting role, what does it look like to live in love? Either. either, Okay. Whatever. Yeah, I would say to live in love for me when I think about just even my own family and even the work that I do, because that's where what consumes most of my time. 
I see it as showing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's simple, but just being present. Mm-hmm. And yeah, showing up and not necessarily showing up with, I've got this great thing to do for you or say to you, but just showing up. And honestly, it, not to sound so super spiritual or whatever, but when I just show up, God shows off. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. I love that. And so I get to, if I really am showing up authentically and in humility, that's when God just does his best work and I get to be an observer. Mm. Yeah. Lauren, what does it look like for you to live in love and support and getting support? For me, it is so loud and clear. Like for me, it is putting down my pride. And and that is for me to take care of myself. That is for me to take care of my husband and my kids and then the people closest to me. Because once I can lay down that pride of going like, I've got this, I can do this, I don't need your help, then the anxieties don't start creeping up. I'm not the person that yells or loses my temper or says hurtful things or gets really dramatic or self-critical. I'm able to love the best when I am my best and my healthiest, and I'm able to love my family and my friends when my pride is non-existent because at that Mm -hmm. point I'm able to receive help. I'm able to receive kind words, and I'm able to speak kindness and love over myself, which allows me to love the people around me and in my life the best way I know how. That's beautiful. Thank y'all so much for listening. I love getting to share these conversations with you. If you love this episode, please rate it, review it, and please share it with your friends. And just a reminder that you can pick up your copy of the paperback edition of Live in Love. That's available now. And I hope you'll join us for our next episode of the Live in Love podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to live in love in marriage. Hey, y'all, don't forget to partner with our friends at Crew. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with the monthly gift of $21, as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry. And you'll receive a copy of my new book, Live in Love. Simply text LOVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text LOVE to 71326. That's L-O-V-E to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash love.